And at the end of the day, there's a reason why you are buying less and wearing these more. And that's really the crux of how we have to think about things is delivering a product that I get more wear out of. This is The Safari. The Safari is a tour around the consumer, brand, and retailing industry. And we have the great privilege here at my company, Traub, to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer, brand, and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. I often talk about companies needing to be more inside out and upside down. What I mean by that is being transparent by turning themselves inside out and upside down, having the leadership really listen to the young people. Well, in this case, DL1961, which is run by Zara Ahmed, uh, is a family-run business whereby both the first generation, second generation of this business uh, are one team. And it's amazing to listen to what they do around sustainability, around communicating their manufacturing process about quality and fit and sustainability to the consumer. And as a result, DL1961 is one of the fastest rising denim brands around. And um, you'll learn a lot from Zara. Let's get started. Zara, thank you so much for joining me on the safari. Thank you for having me. So we've known each other for a very long time. I think you might have even kind of been in college when I first met you, which is kind of scary, but maybe just afterwards, right? Um, I think I met you my freshman year of college. Your freshman year of college. And now you are the CEO of DL1961. Uh, how, that's a, how did that come about? <laughs> so DL1961, uh, we're a family business, which may kind of explain why I'm sitting here in front of you today as the CEO, uh, but also part you know, I grew up in denim. My parents have been making denim for almost 30 years. And in 2009, they, you know, they had been developing this technology with Lycra because we'd been producing on the factory side. And they kind of reached this point where they got really sick of being told what to do. And they wanted to really flex their muscles as manufacturers. And that's really where DL 1961 was born. It was born out of this idea of how do you merge um, technology and innovation with a product like denim, with a product like your jeans. and bring them together to create a product that not only feels better when you put it on, outlasts everything in your wardrobe, and ultimately makes you feel better because you've bought something you're going to wear every day and love. So they started the company with really around this one focus uh, product that they developed with Lycra called XFit. And from there, we've really grown and really honed in on that messaging of innovation, honed in on that messaging of technology and denim. And in the last 10 years, you know, it's really been an exciting time to be a denim manufacturer. There's a lot of conversation around sustainability, a lot of conversation around technology and innovation. And we really feel we've been lucky enough to be at the forefront of that. We are completely vertical. So from the spinning of the yarn to weaving the fabric to the final product, we're all doing it in the same single facility. And through DL1961 and our amazing retail partners like Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom, we're able to deliver this product to the market that 
really feels different and not only feels different in look, but feels different on the body and feels different to the consumer. And that's really been our story of growth. I like to, to tell the story sometimes that your father, who I adore because I've known him for, for, for you all for so long, yeah. because we helped with your distribution strategy way back when. But I love the enthusiasm that he has. And when he yes. came into our office for the first time and he said, you know, look, we had this incredible Lycra product. We were <laughs> going to sell it to all the big brands in Europe. And ultimately, the quality of the product was such that actually we couldn't afford to make those jeans. And so we said, you know what? We're going to make our own brand. And, exactly. And I think it's just a, a testament to not only the resolve of an entrepreneur uh, and his family who all piled in around it, but... What's so cool about it is this notion of obviously verticalization, but taking a, a, an expertise, and it's very rare, mm -hmm. let's face it, to have a company with the background that you guys have to then create effectively a brand that has become one of the most recognized, most um, uh, aspirational products and brands in the industry by virtue of not just the product and its quality, but the marketing savvy and skill that you and your sister as well, who's now doing her own thing, I think, um, really put behind the messaging and the quality and brought the quality, the, the, the product merchandising, as it were, into the real world, about into real people and entrepreneurs. And you had a marketing campaign around, uh, I remember, you know, a whole series of different real entrepreneurs who were actually the models of the, of the products in your life. Can we talk a little bit about that, that sort of marketing? You guys are all, you're yeah. very young. You're a young CEO, uh, your sister and you, you know, told your father uh, what you felt would be would be resonant with the consumer and he listened imagine that so it's I, for me it's i'm i'm going on about this yeah. because i think there's a lesson to be learned about ceos of other businesses and brands listening to the young leaders within their companies we call it turning a company upside down and inside out right so you guys have done it and you're succeeding in spades because of it. So tell me about the, the back and forth a bit with your, your mother yeah. and father on these th subjects. So I think like one part of it is that family bus business aspect. And then kind of one of the things that you said is that expertise, right? We were manufacturers. And I think today in 2020, you have a lot of brands that have insight into their factories. They have transparency. This is something we maybe from a marketing perspective are so used to now that we maybe don't realize that just a decade ago, this was something that no brand was talking about. And it was a leap that many manufacturers had tried to make and failed because there was that disconnect. And it all comes down to the marketing of it. How do you both bridge an expertise and technical aspect of a product and really make it into something that's a lifestyle that connects mm -hmm. people, that people feel like, oh, I'm not only just seeing something that's kind of boring and generic or just something that's here's a list of attributes, almost like a me medical item, but it's here's a lifestyle, here's something that is integrating and becoming an emotional part of my life. And I think that's the beauty of a pair of jeans. Like we have those, it's an item in our wardrobe that we really connect to because it's something we wear every single day. So I think the first step of it was my parents kind of making this um, sort of transition from just being manufacturers and kind of just molding out uh, products, but saying here, now how do we create a brand? How do we create a message? And really that message was, here is a product that's made better. Why is it made better? Well, here's how every single step of the production cycle flows and we're looking into it. We're going from a tra transparency aspect and more and more people really connect to that messaging. And now as we said today, like sustainability is such a huge part of denim. And this is something I would say my parents never set out to say, we're going to create a sustainable denim brand. 
they were at the forefront of innovation and technology going into it. Here's how we can create a product through production method A. It might be more cost efficient and maybe the end consumer will know or not know or care about. But here's production method B, which is maybe um, more, you know, cost at the just the get go. But actually, the end consumer is going to notice the difference when they now compare it to a different product and when they try it on. And they're going to notice the difference 10 wears in when it's the pair of jeans that they've put on in the morning on their busiest day. It's the pair of jeans that they're wearing to travel in because it's so comfortable. It's the jean they put on and forget about. Um, and that, I think, is the best part because you want you never want to be uncomfortable in what you're wearing. So when we're kind of talking about marketing, that it's how do you explain all these different ideas and aspects to the consumer without them feeling like they're being told what to do or make a choice, right? We just want to always present the information as we do and what we believe in. Um, and, you know, go, okay, if you're presented with all these options, like there's enough information out there that consumers are smart. They know what they want and what they like. And if we are able to deliver a strong product that we feel proud of, uh, we hope they make that choice. And I think internally on that side, being a family business, that those conversations get heated and crazy because we truly, truly believe in what we're doing. Um, I think people have this idea of a factory being this faraway place that's kind of dark and dingy. And for my parents, that's never what it was. The factory is 20 minutes from where I grew up and we grew up there. You know, we grew up running around in those gardens on like at the facility. And mm-hmm. it was really this place that we felt so proud of and still feel so proud of because it is an environment. It's a community. And, you know, my parents employ almost 8,000 people at this facility. And I feel so proud every single time I go because I see the different developments that, you know, we've made and the things that my dad is like finding and sourcing and creating new facilities and making new structures to really, at the end of the day, support a whole community and really create something that we can feel proud of and go back and say, okay, at DL, when I'm talking about the factory, when I'm sitting and having this conversation with you, I feel so passionate Mm -hmm. because we internally like had every single conversation, every single argument. And at the end of the day, we always just want to be so proud of it. And when we're putting our family name on it, it should be something we really believe in. So when you think about uh, what you just said, and I could uh, we have a joke around here sometimes that you know whenever whenever there's a denim company that shows up in our life, uh, or even a pant company, we always ask them, "So what's different about you?" And they say, "Oh, it's the fit." So we've been we've seen fifty companies that differentiate through fit, and ultimately, you know, someone's wrong. Um, and and then also quality, right? So quality, a fit first, the way you know maybe a certain part of the body looks in a pair of jeans, and then obviously you know the quality. The truth is that you, on some level, have promised the same thing, though there is more integrity, it seems, in what you're doing by the way you have marketed yourself. So talk about everything you just said as it pertains to the marketing strategy and maybe highlight some of the campaigns that you did that really brought brought those messages to life. Yeah, so the one thing we always talk about is the three Fs ideal. Fabric, fit, and function. And now those things, kind, as you said, like a lot of brands talk about it, but how do we then take it and really attribute it to a campaign and a lifestyle? So the first being, yes, fit. We want to make sure you're creating a product that when you put on, looks good on the body and many different body types. And then that also comes from offering many different ranges of things that we feel we can do because we do have this expertise. And again, fabric, because we're vertical, it's about quality. It's about bringing the two together um, in a way that makes it something special. Again, that's also, you know, it's subjective. It's an idea a lot of people talk about. And finally, it's that function that I touched upon before is these are the genes you're feeling the difference on because you put them on. Kind of 
putting that all together and combining that with campaigns, like we worked with Jessica Alba, we did a collaboration and that was super exciting because here you have, um, you know, an entrepreneur in her own right, working with the honest company, something that we truly believe in as well about bringing um, well-made sustainable products to everyday parts of your life. And that sort of mix of brands was really, really strong and got us to have a conversation with a new type of consumer And I think at the same point, when she was talking about The Honest Company and we were talking about what we're doing at DL, it was such a great collaboration because the beliefs were the same. And I think that idea, we always, you know, we always try to keep things that really feel true and organic to us. And again, we did this collaboration um, this past fall with Mariana Hewitt. So she, again, is a beauty and lifestyle influencer who is an entrepreneur. She has her own beauty brand called Summer Fridays. Again, it's a clean beauty brand that's, you know, an inclusive product. And these are all things that we stand behind. So anytime we're having these sort of conversations, it's about not just like, here's a face, here's a name, here's a brand. It's about what's the story behind it? What are we connecting and creating in that way? And I think for 2020, when I'm looking at our forward plans, bringing back the idea of real people, we're working with real people in the sustainability space who are having conversations. And we've crafted this specific capsule collection called the Better by DL Collection. And for us, it's um, kind of that next step in sustainability in denim. So it's a six-piece collection for men, women, and kids. And it's all one uniform clean rinse wash without rivets because that makes it easy to recycle using eco-made lycra, using an ozone wash. Again, all these different sort of things. And now combining that with a strong voice. So our first voice is Marina Testino, who's been an amazing eco-activist. She's been doing these uh, campaigns around both Rewearing items, microplastics, and using strong visual statements online and using leveraging social media to say, think about what you're wearing. And that's such a you know important message to share. Our second voice is Quasi Blair. And he again, he's a consultant working in the space, working with brands um, to think about how they are structuring their supply chains, how they are structuring their messaging, kind of tying all those different aspects that you were uh, you have to address as a brand and asking them to think about it from an environment perspective, from an impact perspective. And then our third voice, which I'm so excited from, is um, this young girl, Sienna. She's nine years old, lives in New York City, and she just is, and we met her through just our regular kind of kids campaign. And then I just, from talking to her, realized like her and her mom every single week go compost all their, you know, leftovers from food. They're going, recycling their plastic bags and everything that she's doing as a nine-year-old, is so fascinating to me because these are conversations that we haven't been having. And it's so important for that next generation. And they're so aware. They're of, the leaders. Exactly. And I'm sure, you know, you see this as well. And I think it's so important for us as a brand to be forward thinking in that way. That What's interesting is habits, right? So exactly. you know, there are lots of things you and I, and you're a little bit younger than, than I, um, uh, maybe a lot younger than I, but nonetheless, you know, we've learned things, uh, uh, as to what how one should behave differently in order to be more sustainable but i wasn't raised that way and um it's no fault of my parents it's just generationally people didn't understand these things so but it's interesting my daughter still calls me out on it and says you know you're not doing the thing that i told you to do and i was like oh sorry i haven't developed the habit yet and so what are you doing with this 9 year old this 9 year old girl she's going to be part of a campaign exactly so it's like our three voices together there are faces of this better by dl capsule And, you know, we did this whole set of interviews and video and just talking to them of like, what are you doing? Because it's so important for us to share. And I think that's the, we have such a great platform that as a brand, people are coming to us like, 
you're you see, you know you're a leader in sustainability. You're a leader in this idea of fashion. Maybe rethinking about how we deliver products to good uh, to people. And I think for us, we really wanted to create um, content that people could come in and learn from, and really come in and interact with. And I think when you see someone like a nine year old going like, "I want to save the environment," because what else am I going to do? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to have my life? And I think kind of sitting here, I'm like, wow, it's so important what we are doing and, you know, leveraging our platform and our partners to have this conversation. And I think that to me is an, a really big part of why we do what we do. And I, coming back to this idea of I grew up in this world of denim and creating and I have to understand, like, it's not just... You know, it's not an option to just sit and rest and do things the way they're doing because what is sustainable today will not be sustainable tomorrow. And what was sustainable five years ago is not what is sustainable today. I have an instinct that your marketing campaigns uh, from a few years ago, which were not necessarily about sustainability, but just about what you considered to be people that you looked up to, right? Um, maybe talk about, and maybe you remember what I'm talking about, um, there were in your campaigns, a VC, yeah. a VC exactly, couple, yeah. uh, people who were in different industry and they were entrepreneurs and they were working in your genes and they used your genes to build their businesses almost. Can you talk about how that may or may not have been in a, a moment? Because I remember being quite inspired by that. So that specific campaign you're referring to was this really, really fun project uh, that my sister had spearheaded and it was featuring, you know, real voices that wore and lived in our denim. So the first being Ariel Zuckerberg, who is a VC investor. And she was, she, I guess they met through a mutual friend and she was just like, I love these jeans. And it was so great just interviewing her and how she's going about her day wearing her denim. The second was Amang Dua, the co-founder of Handy. And again, another really great person who's on the go, constantly on a plane, wearing his denim. And then the final one was a, an amazing artist and a really good family friend of ours, Brittany Austin Siegel. And she is an artist. She's on the go. She's getting her jeans dirty. And she was like, these are the jeans I work with and relax in. And I'm on a 10 hour like painting. It's this huge mural outside and I'm wearing them because I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. And what it was at that same time, we had launched this, uh, our campaign around smart denim. So this was the tagging on our product. And again, it wasn't exactly that word sustainability, but it was touching upon those same core principles about how you are creating things in a way that is different. And what the implication of that is. And the implication of that is from a consumer point, yes, you're more comfortable. Yes, you feel great. Yes, these are the jeans you're going to wear again and again. But it's also, th there's something in a choice that you're making means I'm not going to just do it the way it's done. I want to feel a, a deeper connection to my product at a higher level. Mm -hmm. Not just that I looked good in them. It's like, there's a reason why, right? Like there's a reason why it made you feel this way. There's a reason why you're gravitating towards them. And at the end of the day, there's a reason why you are buying less and wearing these more. And that's really the crux of how we have to think about things is delivering a product that I get more wear out of, that I feel good about repurchasing. Cost per wear. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I think that's sometimes a hard transition for people to make. They're like, oh, that's just so easy to do the opposite. Um, but, I, you know, I'm constantly thinking about this. We'll be right back. I want to take a second to explain to you why Traub is able to bring you the safari. We pride ourselves in being at the very center of a very global, very complicated consumer and retail landscape. And in our travels, as we help 
think, manage and expand businesses in many different channels and geographies. We're able to meet and learn from some of the great minds in this industry, and it's really wonderful to be able to bring them to you. And in doing so, I hope that you, the listener, will be able to learn a little bit more about what we do at Traub as well. Back to the safari. So let's talk about your management style. And I don't mean just you, I mean the family. There has been, since the inception, this um, maybe cross-functional way of running the company, whereby, while at that time your your parents were running the company, or at least this brand, um, and it's now transitioned to you. But um, talk to me about the management style that comes from the family and maybe then move on to your management style, whether it's the same or maybe somewhat different. Yeah, and I think we're all strong personalities, which is, I think, why our product is so good. Um, And this, you know, I've learned so much from my parents and I think they both are very, very different, but also similar in that they are so passionate. And this is something I feel so proud of every single day when I go to work and see what they're creating uh, because that's the passion that me and my sister and my brother grew up around and why we feel inclined to even work with our family. You know, I think some a lot of people in our position, they're like, oh, you know, don't you want to do something on your own? Do you want to explore out? And for us, like, we've only ever wanted to work with our parents because the environment that they have created allows us to be so experimental and have this ability to create something. And for us, that's really at the end of the day is like we both have fun in what we're doing, but we also have this amazing, unbelievable opportunity to uh, create something that we feel so proud of. And I think that's something, it's always all of us together. And I think that, you know, it's sometimes a little crazy for the people around us. But at the end of the day, I think that passion is what people love to work with us for. Expand on the word experimental. So oftentimes, maybe the way companies fail is that they are too scared to try new things and they Think of a thousand different reasons why it might fail. How does that work at DL 1961 to experiment and fail fast, maybe like a VC type way of thinking? So I think it's funny that me and my sister, like we push each other in the right way, where sometimes I think I get a little bit of, I'm scared to try this. Like, what if it won't work out? And she'll just be like, well, it will work out. Like if you want it to work out and that sort of dynamic and push coming from, you know, the people that are ultimately closest to you, like she knows me better than, you know, I think sometimes I know myself and vice versa. And I think that energy idea and support is what, what pushes us to be able to take risks. And I love that environment because I think it pushes me out of my shell. Uh, But, you know, I, it's, it's an interesting day every single day. And so your management style versus the one you inherited, anything different? I would say me and my dad are very similar because he's he's very methodical. He, you know, he's he's a factory guy. Like he loves to see things. Process. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm very similar in that way. And I think my mom and my sister are creative. So they see things in a in a similar way as well. So I think that combination is what keeps it interesting and what the combination is what creates something. Cause you you need both. You need the creative energy. You need that kind of force of momentum. But I also think, you know, it's a big logistics business at the end of the day. You it are is creating, sourcing, sending goods all over the world. Um, And I think that the combination is what separates us in this crowded industry. It's the combination of what's kept us in such a competitive environment, thriving and growing. And, you know, as we sit here today, I'm so, you know, DL is sold in almost 1500 stores across 40 something countries in the globe, on the globe. So I'm like, wow, that's a lot of genes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the mentality, my parents always say it's one gene at a time. 
and it's a service that we are providing. And if someone is unhappy or unsatisfied, it's not their fault. It's not that they, you know, the other thing, it's our fault because we didn't do something in our job to get them the right product at the right time that made sense for them. So let's talk a bit about uh, B2B, you know, the, um, the industry. So you guys have navigated now for a decade um, what has been a, an industry in, in, I would say, transition. And uh, whether it be from the department stores to the question marks around opening brick and mortar, e-commerce where you guys uh, are thriving, um, how, how would you rate and or maybe discuss the industry at large? Uh, which are the companies, retailers, uh, platforms that you're engaging with, that you're impressed by, that are doing things a little bit differently? And then ultimately, you know, we'll talk a bit more about things, your other plans. But talk, talk about the industry a little bit and, and partners that you've been impressed with and things that are going on. So, I, you know, it is a really interesting time. I think it's never been as competitive as it is today, and that's all constantly evolving. And I think retailers are at the forefront of that, right? I think as brands, you can't be everything to everyone, but sometimes as a retailer, that's your job. You have many different products to be many things for many people. And the retailers who keep that in mind of who is their core customer and how do I best serve them and maximize that potential? So for us, it's, you know, Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom and Stitch Fix, three very different retailers, actually, and all doing very different things, how they have conversations with their customers, how they are thinking about placing buys. And it's very interesting for me at this point to kind of see how each of them is planning their businesses and how different it can all be and how how well they all can do and coexist. So I think when you're looking at a business like Stitch Fix, this is data driven. They know when something is working and off by just pure numbers. And to mm. me, it's the biggest insight into who, like how our brand is doing and who our customer is. And they share that with you regularly? Exactly. They have a portal. Like you log in, you know exactly what sizes are checking, what, if it's not checking, what was going wrong. Like it's too small. And sometimes we discover things about our product that came in because of like, oh, something was off with the waistband of that one. And we know because their system's reporting. And they are so open in the way they share information and how they are thinking about brands um, that it is a great learning opportunity for us. And then now I look at Nordstrom and for them, it's about really offering something special to their customers. So when we launched the Mariana Hewitt collaboration, they were our exclusive partner. And the way they sort of were leveraging and having the conversation was very different than some of our other retailers. Like it was so content driven and it was very specific of how they're reaching and sharing product. and. Again, you know, it's about creating something unique in the market and how they engage and interact with their consumer, who's very much driven by what's happening on social media and very specific sort of people. Um, so that's kind of a great, you know, opportunity for us to share our message as well and sharing with a new audience. And then finally, like Bloomingdale's, this is for me, like the retailer we have the most fun with. Like we experiment with them. We do installations with them and pop-ups with them and you know, to me, it's super special being a New York-based brand. 59th Street is really where our home is. And being able to go in during last year's uh, Earth Month, being in, doing an installation with them around it, having a video install around DL using different scraps of denim that not only is a visual presence on the floor, but sharing something so, so important because they're going, we're Bloomingdale's, we're standing by this message, message of sustainability and we want our brand's have this ingrained in their sort of, you know, ecosystem to share with us here mm -hmm. and giving us that platform, both 
in a physical space, but online and social. So yeah, I think it's always they're a incredible when they get behind something too. They yeah. go full tilt. Yeah, and so last month I went into their offices. That internally, a group of the Bloomingdale's team had formed this sort of committee where they wanted panelists and people to come by because they had questions, right? Like sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect between retailers and brands, and for them, they're like, "We're going to internally organize something, bring in brands, mm-hmm. ask them questions." on this panel and it was so amazing to see that how this group from inside really has been creating and fostering this community and you know just sharing that message and sharing information so retail um obviously you've built your business uh, off of the, the the partnership with very large very powerful very well-known traffic drivers uh in department stores around the world but obviously here to begin with you have a, your own e-commerce business and now you probably have a good amount of data as to who that customer is and Stitch Fix probably shares some of that data too with you. So you're starting to understand where they live, who, who they are. Um, it logically would uh, sort of be a next step potentially to use that data to figure out where to optimally put your own stores to have more vertical gross margin. Um, how is that thinking happening or not within DL? I think about this non-stop right this is the number one thing you are a brand where is your store when is it coming and for me the answer is we have to think about it i you know we've been very very cautious with our retail footprint and i you know i think we're getting to that point that it's coming but it has to mean something different because the way consumers are thinking about retail is so is changing it's not so simple as to say here's a store fill it with some jeans like if they like us they'll come it's about offering a real community, offering a service that's different from maybe what they're getting elsewhere. And kind of coming back to this idea, I think the conversation around sustainability is a conversation and sense of community. It is creating a place where people can ask questions, can share content, can learn from us. And to me, that's more interesting than just that, you know, brick and mortar store that we could probably create, you know, by the end of the year. I think it's about how do we create a place where people can come and interact and learn and really understand who we are and walk out feeling they weren't just sold a product, but they were having a conversation with us. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the most important part. One of my clients, Scott Malkin, often says that if the future of of commerce is is digital, as e-commerce, future of brand equity is retail. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting place to, 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 to ponder a little bit because ultimately it's the one instance where you can truly engage with your clients and, and play with them. And you guys who are probably one of the most playful brands out there, to be able to have that kind of conversation intimately uh, with your clients, I think it would be a, it would be a huge success. So we, we hope to see more of that from you uh, over here at Traub. So denim, let's talk about the denim thing. It's incredible. Denim in general, this is a very macro part of the conversation, which I think leads into sustainability. The craze around denim has been incredible for, I mean, dating back to the beginning of Levi's and James Dean and then the 60s and 70s and it never went away and it's still here. And people thought it was going to go away with athleisure and maybe it would become leggings and whatever else. And no, jeans are squarely still part of the uh, cultural zeitgeist, not just here, but around the world. One of the issues, obviously, with denim, and uh, as I know, you know, typically it, 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 you, you need to use 1,500 gallons of water to make a pair of jeans. DL famously uses only 10. Talk to me about the, the arc of denim in the sustainability world. Um, you're obviously at the forefront of this. 
can the the world continue to make genes that are not DL1961 uh, from a sustainability perspective? Well, I hope not. But, you know, it's there's nothing more iconic, as you said, than a pair of genes. So there, it is something that people have to change their viewpoint on. And I sometimes always talk about this going, when you're given a sustainable option, saying this was made through an environmentally friendly process, People sometimes think that means, oh, it means I'm compromising on something. I'm missing something from the original item that I am compromising on because I want to make a better choice. But in fact, with denim, it's not the case. It is such a specialized production process that when you are making an environmentally friendly choice, it's actually making a choice that's a better made product using quality ingredients, so to speak, and through a process that's a clean process that's actually giving you a product that's made better and looks better. It actually is going to be outlast everything in your wardrobe. It's not going to have like harmful shedding of items and like sort of dye leakage and stuff like that. So I think it's very important to sometimes understand that with denim, it is actually a better choice. You're getting more for your product when you're making a sustainable purchase. And at the end of the day, it's about customers really demanding that from their brands saying, here, fine, I'm going to pay a little bit more because you should be investing a little bit more in these sort of production processes and in these facilities that are able to handle and use technologies in a way that you're not, you know, using that absorbent amount of water. It's crazy. I think once we talked about doing this installation where you put 1,500 gallons of water in a room and kind of compare that and say, like, this is the average and this is what we're doing, but 1,500 gallons can barely fit in a room. Like, it's an insane amount of water that's actually being wasted. And why we are able to say that less than 10 is, one, we're using technology to track the sort of life of the product as it flows through the factory. And at every single step of the way, make a better choice. So it's that combination of different technologies that results in that outcome. And then finally, it's about tracking it and knowing, okay, this gene, it's not it's not doing as good as the others. Let's make a change. Let's understand why is it taking more energy? Why is it using more water? Where can we make an adjustment that maybe that final outcome is the same? But what's the adjustment in that process that can change to be better and feel just more sound in what we feel we can deliver? So I think that's a different way to think about it. And there, you know, there's it comes down to numbers. You know, people, when enough people are making better products, you can demand better prices. And I think that comes from the consumer saying, we need better products, we need you to do better, and we will invest in that as well. So, yeah. What, tell me, therefore, you've got a lot on your, in, your, in your mind. You've got a lot of creativity within the walls of your company. What are you excited about, uh, whether it be inside of DL or things that are happening in the universe, in the industry, or in technology, or something that you're playing with? What are you playing with at DL1961? What's Zara uh, keen on right now? I'm so excited about this Better by DL capsule because it, to me, it's a statement. When you walk in, it's this dark rinse wash, and it's all about that combination of things that's extra, extra, extra. Fine, maybe I don't want to wear rinse wash denim for the rest of my life, but I could probably wear it 80% of my life, and to me, that's a win. I think when we're talking about changing behaviors to make better choices, it's about offering, you know, that information and insight. And I think when you're researching and asking questions and having these conversations, that's the best way to learn. So 
it's all about creating that setup to have those conversations. And I and internally, I think that's so important as well because we just moved offices. And when we were kind of designing this new space, we're like, okay, what does that like recycling setup look like? Mm-hmm. What does our kitchen look like to ease that process? What do our like printers and all, you know, all those different things that maybe you just take for granted when you're just setting it up and going, okay, I come to work, I print, I do these things. I'm like, oh no, let's stop for one second and think about what's happening. And really it might be uncomfortable to change that behavior at first, but soon enough it becomes habit. And it's about just pushing people to change those habits because it's, this is, you know, to use that word, that's unsustainable at some point. It's going to change. I think there's a, that's the best place we can to stop. Uh, where, where Zara Ahmed telling everyone to stop and think about all the little decisions. And I think that's, uh, that's absolutely true for everyone. And you're an incredible example. Your whole family is in how to build not only a brand, but a business. And to be um, proud of and passionate of what you're doing is something that I, I certainly am inspired by. And um, I know that everyone listening will have uh, a lot to think about after this. Great. Thank you so much and thank you for having me. This was amazing. You're very welcome, Zara. Bye. If you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry. And please also don't forget to subscribe and like it. Until next time.